Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. Welcome back to the latest edition of the Pro Basketball Talk podcast here at NBC Sports. I am Kurt Heelan, the managing editor of Pro Basketball Talk, with you as always. And today it's the We the North edition of Pro Basketball Talk's podcast, as we are going to be talking Raptors and All-Star Games. Joining us to guide us through everything Raptors-related is uh, Ryan Wolstadt from the Toronto Sun. Ryan, thanks for joining us. No problem. Thanks for having me. Right, you are coming to us from Portland because, uh, like the Raptors, you have been kicked out of the Air Canada Center for the next few weeks while they get ready for the All-Star Game. And I, I just kind of want to start there. People don't realize that there's a big Raptor fan base. The, the Toronto really loves basketball, and the city's, like, there's a real buzz about this and about the All-Star Game coming there. Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, They're starting to, you know, detail some of the events and some of the things that are going around, and people are, yeah, they're really uh, amped up. I mean... It's been a long time since Toronto's had an all-star game in any sport. Baseball's been ages, um, hockey a really long time as well. So, yeah, everyone's really into this. And, and as you said, the popularity with the, the way the Raptors have played the last few seasons, the popularity has just sort of exploded to, you know, probably back to where it was in the Vince Carter heyday. So, because uh, these are, you know, the last two teams set wins records and this team's on pace to set another wins record, be the first to win 50 games possibly. So, yeah, people are really into it and they're really excited knowing that it's Kobe Bryant's last All-Star game. Obviously, that's huge. Steph Curry spent some uh, time in Toronto when his dad, Dell, played for the Raptors. So there's kind of some connections all over the place. Of course, DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry are going to be starting, or, or Lowry will be starting, DeRozan will be on the East Reserve. So, yeah, people are really excited in Toronto for sure. And, and just basketball in Canada in, in general. I mean, you've had Wiggins and you've had, well, I mean, Andrew Bennett did go number one, but he's Canadian. Um, Tristan Thompson. I mean, there's just good players coming out of Canada right now in a way we haven't seen in a long time. In fact, the Canadian national team should be good pretty soon. Yeah, they really should. They really should have. I was in Mexico City covering the team, uh, and they kind of laid an egg in the big test against Venezuela. And, you know, FIBA basketball is different. The refs and everything and the pressure got to them a little bit. So they should have been qualified already. But, you know, they'll, they'll be bringing a good team to Manila uh, and try to win a last-chance spot to make the Olympics in Brazil. But they have a lot of talent. I mean, Corey Joseph's had a really good year for the Raptors. He's their, their lead guard, you know. Tyler Ennis is coming along, and, and you know he'll be he'll be in the mix. You got Jamal Murray coming out of Kentucky. He probably won't be allowed to play this summer, but he's coming down the line. You mentioned Wiggins and Thompson, and Kelly Olynyk in Boston's had a great yeah. year. Dwight Powell, no one really knows about him. He's been really good off the bench for the Mavs. There's just guys kind of all over the place, and you know before it was like Steve Nash and a couple other guys, and that was it. And now it's now they're everywhere, and they just keep coming. 
Yeah, the, it's, the depth up there is is really impressive, like you said, and and it should make for an interesting team. Although, t- just tell me, please tell me that 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 the sun is going to send you to Manila. <laughs> I don't know. I think they're. It was kind of a bummer uh, sending me to Mexico City and Puerto Rico actually for the the warm up tournament, and then them not getting the job done, and now it's the odds are way higher. You know, they're going to have to play France. Whether I don't know if Tony Parker, he said he might not be there, and Nick Batum and Joakim Noah's injured, and, but they still have Rudy Gobert and, and all that. Yeah, France is still really good. Fran- France is another team. I mean, they're ten deep with NBA players, yeah. and yeah. even if they don't have Parker and and Noah, mm-hmm. and um, Parker's on the fence. His baby's going to be due in late July yeah. for people who don't know, and the Olympics are I think August fifth, uh, right here on NBC, uh, will be the uh, opening ceremonies and the start of play. So. You know, it's kind of a tight timeline for him. We'll see, but that's a good team regardless. And and it's just like you said, it's hard to get out of those qualifying tournaments. Period. So, it's a challenge. Um, we'll move on to the Raptors themselves. I mean, look, right now they are the clear second best team, and I know that teams have gone up and down, but I kind of think that they've established themselves now as the second best team in the East. Uh, is that the sense you've got of them? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the obviously winning eleven games in a row gave them a nice little cushion. Um, with Chicago having some sort of more struggles than people expected, I think, and Atlanta kind of, you know, hit and miss sometimes, and Miami had that great start and then tailed off a bit. Yeah, the Raptors have been able to distance themselves as kind of the, that number two team behind Cleveland, and, you know, the trick, and it, the impressive thing is they've been able to do it with first Jonas Valanciunas got injured and missed a whole bunch, like 16, 17 games, and then Damari Carroll, who's, you know, who was their key offseason addition, the guy that was supposed to fill in all the holes, He's missed some time now, and he's still a ways away from a return with a knee injury, and they've just been able to to deal with whatever. And basically, Lowry and DeRozan have been so good that, well, they were just named co-players of the month in the East, and they've just sort of strapped the team on their back, and the rest of the guys have chipped in. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas came back and has played reasonably well. You know, the, the bench has been one of the best in the league. And I talked about Joseph before. He's been tremendous. Bismack Biombo, Patrick Patterson, really all the guys on the bench have, have just been really, really solid. And it's, it's yeah, it's allowed them to create some separation. And now we'll see going forward what they do. Now they're down James Johnson as well, so they're down their top two, three the small forwards, and they're kind of doing a patchwork unless they they make a move before the trade deadline. Well, you mentioned the trade deadline. I mean, the Raptors' name came up in some trades. Before we mention that, I I, I think we actually need to discuss the bigger picture question with this, which is if you're Toronto right now, if you're the Raptors and you're looking at where you are as a team and then you're looking at the Cavaliers and theoretically somebody like Golden State beyond them, how hard do you go all in? How much do you want to go to improve? How much? How many assets do you want to give up to go for the right now versus still building this team for a couple years out? Yeah, and that's, that's the really tough question I wrote the other day, you know, these are things that keep Masai Ujiri uh, up at night, because how do you how do you figure it out? Can I beat the Cavs if I add this guy? Can I beat, can anyone beat the Warriors? Can anyone beat the Spurs? Can anyone beat the Thunder? Like, no matter what they do, can you really beat those guys? I mean, it's highly unlikely. Maybe if Kevin Love gets hurt or something, or LeBron, he's kind of slipped a tiny bit, maybe there's a small chance, like, they've beaten the Cavs the last couple of years in the regular season, there's a small chance they could win, but I just think they'd have no chance against one of the West powerhouses, so how much do you want to go all in? I mean, and also, they've had all kinds of trouble with Chicago, so if they run into them in the playoffs, can they get by them? It's just tough. You know, they have a lot of, they've 
some nice. They already have about four or five guys at the end of the bench that were high, that were not high draft picks, but first round picks, second round picks. So they already have prospects. You have two picks coming this year. One of them probably from the New York Knicks, wherever they finish. So that could be a decent player. Then you have an extra pick from the Clippers coming next year. I mean, there's a lot of assets there. Um, but just what what do you give up? The problem for the Raptors is that they don't really have those bad kind of expiring or one year left deals with guys yeah. that that don't really play but are owed a lot of money that help make grease the wheels for a trade to happen. They don't really. It's really hard for them to put together a package because they just don't have the the, the salaries to to make something work. So that that's the interesting thing. I don't know. I mean. The one thing I would think, if a guy like Al Horford is made available, maybe yeah. you have to think hard about that because he could really he yeah. fits in with the age of of the of the Rosen and Lowry, and he's still really really good. Maybe not quite as good as he used to be, but he's kind of that missing piece. But how hard do you go after a guy not as good? I don't know. Like, do you want to rent a Ryan Anderson or or make a move for a Markeith Morris? I mean, I wrote I wrote recently like uh, I don't I don't really see the Morris fit. It's tough. I mean, he I don't think he's going to take you over the top. So it's it's a tough call. You're trying to balance you know, down the line. And you also know DeRozan's going to opt out, and I think he'll be back, but you don't know for sure. And then Lowry will opt out a year from now. So it's not exactly clear. Maybe this is your chance, so maybe you have to, to push all the chips in now. And maybe you have to push in those chips just to convince DeRozan, I mean, not convince, because I think DeRozan wants to stay, But yeah. and we'll get to that but but later. But, but you push in and you say to DeRozan and Lowry next summer, like, hey, we're serious. Like, we're not just trying to be good. We really want to go at this. We really want to win. Um, and I think, I mean, is it, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think you can worry about Golden State um, because you're in the East. And and yeah. I, I will tell you that there are t- building teams in the West. I can, I'm not at liberty to talk about this too much, but, but there are building teams in the West who have thought to themselves, we don't want to do this too fast. We don't necessarily want to be good next year. Because as long as Golden State looms, and forgetting yeah. whatever happens with Durant, like they're a humongous roadblock for a few years. If you're a building young team, you're starting to think, what about three years from now? What about four? Can we peak three, four, five years from now and be good then when they've got questions? Because they don't have any questions right now, and I don't necessarily want to run into that wall. But I don't think in the East you need to worry about that. You need to worry about one thing, and that's a Cleveland team that is certainly deep and certainly, uh, look, LeBron, Love, Kyrie Irving, they're three powerhouse players, but there are flaws. There are vulnerabilities with that team as you watch them play, and you think, maybe, maybe we can get by them. You mentioned a couple of the guys that, that if names have come up. I mean, Markeith Morris, you don't see a fit. I, I mean, let's well, let's start here, actually. They really need a four, right? I mean, mm-hmm. is that, that's the got to be the big priority? Yes, yes. I mean, well, I mean, it depends if... if- Damari Carroll has a shoot around today in Portland. He he's progressed to being able to take like standstill jumpers. He's not able to jump yet, but that's a good sign that he's at least back on the court, albeit with a big ice pack on his knee and not able to jump. But so we're assuming that he's going to come back before the playoffs here. So if he's not, then you need a three as well. But let's just assume that he is able to come back. He's a guy that theoretically can slow down LeBron more than a lot of guys. He's the type of guy that they can give him a hard time, and the Kyle Lowry can like Kyrie Irving can't guard a Kyle Lowry. So if we're talking about playing Cleveland. It's not hopeless, as I kind of said before. But, yeah, you need a four to match up with a love or whoever. The Chicago's fours have always given Toronto trouble. Um, so, yeah, you, you definitely need a, a, a power forward. Patrick Patterson's really done a nice job off the bench. 
uh, especially defensively. His, his shot has been hit or miss. He was really good from three in January and really kind of bad the rest of the season from three. So they need a little more consistency. But defensively, he's given them everything. But I don't think he hasn't really proven himself at all to be a starting guy. So you need that starting guy. Luis Skoll has been the stopgap, but, you know, he's fading and he hasn't played this many minutes in years and he's getting up there in age. Um, so he's not the answer. And the Valanciunas Scola pairing is looking very leaky defensively because, I yeah. mean, that, that's probably two of the slowest uh, big men in the league. It's just not <laughs> yeah. a pairing well, that works too well. So, yeah, you they are actually, they are actually looking for a four. There is no lineup. You know, I went looking through this today, and somebody told me this. I went looking through it. There is no lineup with Valanciunas and Scola. It does not matter who the other guys are that are a net positive defensively. Like, they are a defensive mess it on those can. guys. You know, in Phoenix the other night, there was one play where Scola made a mistake and Morris dunked really hard on Valanciunas, and then it was almost like somehow Valanciunas got matched up with Morris, and he made a mistake, and this time he returned the favor, and Scola ended up getting dunked on because he couldn't get there in time to help. It's just it doesn't work. They're they're too slow-footed, and you combine that with the fact that Lowry and DeRozan are slow starters. Generally, they ease themselves into games. It's just a bad combo, and it's a big reason why the Raptors have you know, have been pretty terrible in first quarters. And, and what's crazy is, in spite of that, the the, the defense really has been good. <laughs> the, the defense has been good. Yeah. They have they are a top five defensive team again. This is after, by the way, they were good defensively a couple years ago, mm-hmm. terrible last year, and then good yep. again this season. What changed? Well, you see a guy up close in L.A. I mean, I don't want to pin it all on him, but Lou Williams <laughs> is not a very good defender. No. Um, you know, DeRozan got hurt early on and missed a lot of time, and they really had no answer. They did, so they couldn't really guard the twos or threes. Uh, Lowry was, you know, he had too huge a workload, so he wore down. And I just think you look at the big changes, the guys they've replaced, the guys that have come in, Abismack Biombo was an excellent defender. Corey Joseph was a fantastic defender. Patterson stepped up his game defensively. You bring in Damari Carroll when he's healthy, James Johnson playing more. Like They're just a much better defensive group, and they work much better. They also made some changes to the schemes. Um, you know, They brought in new assistant coaches, uh, Andy Greer, who's I think Tom Thibodeau goes back. So he brought more of that style of defending the pick and roll, and that has been much better for Valanciunas because he doesn't have to cover as much ground. He's not kind of as far back to cover. So uh, Although he hasn't been very good defensively, he's been a lot better than he has been in the past, and that, all those things have kind of helped. Yeah, he's not somebody. He's not quick enough to show out and be aggressive. You have to, you have to play him back, let him clog. But I mean, that comes with flaws, but and things you can pick apart. But you can't do the other with him. He's just not. Yes. This is this is not an athletic big man. That you know, this is He cannot go Anthony Davis trap with this guy. He's no. not. He's not quite as athletic. Um, no. One of the other names that came up really interesting. PJ Tucker would be interesting. PJ Tucker's not great. Uh, from Phoenix, but P.J. Tucker's solid, and he would bring defense. He would bring physicality and defense. I mean, you're getting that a little bit from Patrick Patterson off the bench, but they're not starting him. Yeah, and I think they would throw Tucker in as a, as a small forward, um, yeah. replace Carroll and uh, James Johnson. He can hit a corner three, which is they, they get a lot of looks at the corner three, the way the offense goes. DeRozan and Lowry set up a ton of them. He's a nice fit there. He's not an amazing three-point shooter, but he hits about you know, 35 36%. He's okay. I think a little bit better from the corners, and he's he gives them that you know what Carroll you know gives them when he's healthy. He's tough. He gets after it. He you know he's he doesn't give an inch. Um, he fights. He can rebound a bit. You know he'd be a nice fit. He's got a year left on his deal. He wouldn't cost what a Marquis Morris would cost. Um, it's hard to get. It's kind of hard to get a fit 
like I said, the salaries don't really match up, but they, they have ways if they, you know, a James Johnson and a Lucas Noguera would work cap-wise, something like that for a Tucker. So, I mean, he'd be a nice fit. You'd have to throw in a pick with that, right? I mean, you've got to sweeten that a little for Probably, Phoenix, I mean, but, yeah, but you've got but, the yeah. picks. It depends on much, yeah, if, uh, if Phoenix just wants to add a prospect in Nagara because I assume they're going to try to dump Tyson Chandler and they only have Alex Len at the five. I mean, maybe you'd probably have to add at least a second or something, maybe even that that Clippers pick. I don't know, you know, for for a year and a half of P.J. Tucker, do you want to give up a first and a prospect that Masai Ujiri likes in Lucas Nagara? I'm not sure, but it depends how much, you know, you want to win. And he's a guy that could be very useful, even if Carroll's back in the playoffs. You mentioned the other guy who I, when when I was thinking about the fit for what they need, which to me is this. Here's the problem. You're going to get to the playoffs and, and for, you know, first round, second round, you run into Chicago. It doesn't matter. You run into Washington. You run into Boston. You run into whoever. You're going to get, Low- look, Lowry and DeRozan run the offense, but they're going to get blitzed. They're, things are going to get much tougher for them. You yep. need an outlet. You need a threat. To me, Ryan Anderson becomes much better fit offensively, and he can do some. He's not a great defender. Let's let's not kid ourselves. Yeah, that would be the worry, the defense. Him and Valanciunas, I don't know. It's asking a lot, but offensively, absolutely, that's what they need. Yeah, I they mean, need a guy, they need a guy that shoots like Anderson, but can still defend like Patterson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Anthony Davis isn't available. So, yeah. um, but I mean, and those guys aren't much. You're going to have to make some sacrifice. But I, to me, Anderson gives them so much more on offense quickly. That and he's a, he's not a great defender, but and then, like you said, that's the concern. But maybe you can cover that a little mm-hmm. um, and, and use him. You know, again, use Patterson in spots, use whoever in spots. And use Biombo beside him. I mean, he's a very yeah. good defender. Maybe that helps. If you have Carroll healthy, that gives you plus defenders at the point guard, at small forward and center, so maybe you can make up for it. Yeah, exactly. There's lineups you can roll out there to try that I think give you a better mm. a better chance of making this all work. To me, he seems a good fit. I just, again, the question is, you're going to have to, to get Anderson. You're giving up a you are giving up a pick and a prospect. I mean, this, and yes, and the other challenge is then you've got to convince him. He is a free agent this summer. You have to convince him this is where he wants to be, this is where he wants to stay. And the other thing, I think you probably have to include Patterson to make a deal work, and then you are then you don't have that bench for, so it's it's tough. It's it's really tough. They're in a tough spot to find something that'll work. That, yeah, that's true. If they had to throw in Patterson, it makes it much more mm-hmm. difficult for them to do this. But I also get the sense, would... Look, the fan base seemed really frustrated that at the deadline nothing happened last year, that there was literally no deal. There was no attempt to push this over the top. They make the playoffs. They get smacked around by, you know, Washington in the first round four-game sweep. If there's no deal this year, is, is the fan base really getting frustrated? I think they will because it's so, despite, you know, record 48 wins and a record 49 wins than how many they get this year in the record uh, 11 game winning streak it's still all about the playoffs the fans they've bought in but there's a little bit of show me still it's okay and even Dwayne Casey his next year is not guaranteed it's a team option and they've shown no signs of when I asked about it what, what they're thinking they don't even want to talk about it so this is they need to win a playoff and to do that they some help would would be really useful. I know it's it's difficult to add, but yeah, I think the fans will be disappointed. If you look at just on Twitter and email and whatever, people want things something to happen. They're going nuts. They 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 see the hole at the four and they want to see it addressed. Yeah, and you mentioned the the, the playoff problems. I, I there is really a and I is it this way with the with the fans and with the team? There's a sense of 
I've been in radio interviews, like often comparing them to the Cincinnati Bengals. Like that's a great yeah. regular season. Again, you guys have been phenomenal. You've got to actually do something in the postseason for for me to start to buy in. I think that there's a couple things. I think the Clippers are like that with the second round, but out east, yep. it's the it's prove it to me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. The Bengals. That's a good analogy. It's a good comparison. They, you know, you can be great in the regular season, but that's not what. You know, that's not what people remember, and that's not what you're trying to do. And, and Masai's made it very clear. He's trying to build something. He wants a real contender. And you can't go out in the first round every year and and say you're making progress. Like, it's one thing to lose to Brooklyn and with Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett and Darren Williams and all the veterans in seven games uh, because Lowry gets his shot blocked. It's quite another to get just run over by a Washington team that you were favored against and you had home court advantage against. Um. You mentioned Damari Carroll. Obviously, they could. How much do they need him back? Uh, you mentioned like at the three, they and defensively, just they really need him. And what? I mean, you said he he can't jump. Uh, last time I checked, that is a part of playing basketball that yeah. will be well, that I will mean, be required. So, like, how far away is he? He he was hurt against Cleveland in the playoffs. Obviously, he's been hurt a bunch of times. I'm not sure how well things healed when they signed him. He wasn't 100, percent and he just. Then he runs into DeAndre Jordan, who's a very big man to to, yes. to run into, and uh, just got the huge bone bruise that eventually uh, required surgery. So, yeah, right now he can just he's just taking jump shots with a giant ice pack on his knee, strapped to his knee. So he's he's still I don't it'd be hard to imagine him playing in in February at all. And if they're smart, they hold him out because of the, all, the long All Star break. There's no point rushing anything. Just you know to, you're not missing that many games. Just let him come back in March and get ready for the playoffs. But there's no question he would add a ton. He adds um, another three-point shooter, which they desperately need, even though DeRozan's taking a few more. That's still not something – that's not a forte. And, um, you know, you get a bit from – you get some from Patrick Patterson when he's hitting, but he's been ice cold. Uh, Skull has added threes, but he's still not a threat. Obviously, Valanciunas doesn't shoot threes. So you're looking at Lowry and Terrence Ross really providing the, the outside shooting. And right now they, they have to throw in the rookie Norman Powell from UCLA, and he's not a three-point shooter at all. So, and even when James Johnson was filling in, he's not a three-point shooter either. So, yeah, Carroll, he'll bring that three-point shooting that he, he learned, uh, you know, that he showed in Utah and Atlanta. And then defensively, he just, um, although he wasn't he wasn't playing at his accustomed level this year because, I think, because he was banged up, he has a re- reputation as a very good defender, and he's the guy that you can throw against a Carmelo Anthony or a LeBron James or uh, Paul George, any of those good players, or Jimmy Butler. And, you know, the Raptors don't have another option that can do that. Yeah. Um, moving down the roster a little bit, Terrence Ross seems to have fallen out. Is he available? And just kind of where is the organization with Terrence Ross? Uh, he's kind of, he rebounded. He had a terrible start to the year after signing his contract. And he's been, uh, he's been a lot better during the winning streak. He was, he'll, he's still inconsistent. He'll still, you know, go 0 for 5 from 3 or 1 for 5 one game and then hit 4 or 5 the next. But defensively, he's been much better, and that's that's something they've been impressed with. The offense will, might come and go a little too much, but defensively, he's giving a much better effort than he has in the past. And I mean, he could be a, a guy. I think you might they might dangle in the off season, assuming DeRozan comes back. But right now, he's a key cog and a guy that's really helping the bench uh, go. And Dwayne Casey doesn't really want to mess with that bench. It's interesting. You say, well, why is Norman Powell starting and not not Terrence Ross and Casey said it's going to be fluid based on matchups, but I, it seems like he'll go with uh, Powell more because he, he's a coach that doesn't like screwing up his rotation. When a guy gets injured, he'll throw a guy in in that spot and keep his bench the way it was just because he, like, he likes the way it is. So 
Ross has been a pretty key guy for that group. So, I mean, I think they were obviously high on him when they signed him. They knew the money's going to get insane in the off season, and someone would have paid him. So they gave him that deal, and it left all of us scratching his, our heads, and it's it's an overpay. But in the new NBA and what's coming, it's how much of an overpay? I don't know, because everyone's going to get paid crazy yeah. money. Yeah, that's and that's the thing. You were trying to guess against what the market would bear a year from now. The When we talk about the bench, it's interesting because it's not the bench is – you talk about the bench unit, but it's not like a hockey sub five. There, yeah. There's almost like two bench units because there's they they platoon Lowry or DeRozan yeah, with those always, benches. Thing they've been doing differently is they've always made sure either Lowry or DeRozan is out there with four reserves or three reserves and another starter. They're never going all five like they did last year, and that's really helped. I mean, the Lowry, the Lowry and the bench units have been terrorizing opponents. Like it's the, the numbers are ridiculous, and like we said, the Scola Valanciunas starting thing doesn't really work so well. So it's actually been way better when Lowry's playing with the reserves. When DeRozan's playing with the reserves, it's still been better, but it hasn't been as ridiculous as when Lowry's with them. What is it about the Lowry reserve unit that works? Is it just did he get spacing? Yeah, they put him with Corey Joseph, and they let Joseph do more of the ball handling and make Lowry more of a scorer. And also that's two good defenders out there. Joseph takes the point guard and Lowry just harasses whoever else. And he's strong enough, even though he's only six feet, he's, he's, he's like thicker and stronger than most shooting guards in the league. He's just, he's, he's an animal. So it really, it really works. And they just attack. They're both relentless attacking the hoop and it, it puts opponents on their back. Yeah. The bench unit is interesting in the Lowry, you know, look Lowry and DeRozan at this point have evolved into Probably the second best, you know, one-two punch, you know, in the league, which is, a l- I guess, a little bit surprising. But now they're talking about as you head forward, especially as you start to line up for the playoffs. I mean, even Casey mentioned getting Lowry's minutes down a little bit. That this is, you know, he's racking up a lot of lot of mileage this year. How does he do that? Is that possible if they have to play them with the bench? It doesn't look like it. I mean, that's been if you want to look nitpick at one thing on a team that's one what, two-thirds of their games, if you want to nitpick. They don't put teams away. They don't step on their throat. Obviously, Golden State's separate from everyone else, the way they can sit their stars a lot of fourth quarters. But the Raptors just, they play way too many close games, and that takes a toll. It'll, it makes them keep these guys in for, for too long, and, and they don't get that you know last six minutes off because it's a blowout-type deal. Like There was a recent game they had to put DeRozan back in with like four minutes left and he should have had the rest of the night off because they just don't seem to be able to, to finish teams off early. So going forward, that's definitely something, uh, maybe not right now because you'll have the all-star break and the extended break and everything, but definitely towards the end of March and into April, they're going to have to find some way to, to give these guys a break. Yeah. Um, bringing us to DeRozan, um, I love Zach Lowe's description of him, by the way. Was the, he's as good as a guard point, you know, as a wing player can get without a three-point shot, yeah. which is, I think, kind of accurate. Like, his ability to attack, his ability to get in the lane and create for himself and others and just finish it there has really been impressive, but you do not have to guard him at the arc right now. Yeah, it's interesting. He's, he's, he, he's not like Dwayne Wade or some of these guys that just can't do it. He, when he puts his mind to it and decides he wants to shoot them, he can hit at a decent clip, especially from the corners. He's really solid. He just doesn't want to do it. He'll do it in a bailout situation like in Phoenix the other night. The clock was ticking down. He got a bad pass from Lowry and just had to launch and actually hit it over Tucker, some miracle shot that kind of put away Phoenix in that game. But he no, he wants to – his thing is if I can get to the hoop, I'm going to go to the hoop. And, and it seems to work for him. I mean, he gets around guys 
all the time now. He, he's, his ball handling is, is much improved. His passing ability is much improved. He's averaging career highs and assists, assist rate and everything. So it's weird. You kind of wonder if he actually did add the three, what would that do? Would it, how much would that open things up? Or is he just, this is, he's gotten so good at the way he is, maybe he should just stick with it. Yeah, he comes up, for people who don't know, he is a restricted free agent this summer. I, I assume that they are going to max him out to keep him? Yeah, I would. I think they had some doubts in the past when he wasn't a, nearly as good a player. Even when he was an all-star, he wasn't anywhere close to as good as he's been this year. Um, so they had some doubts in the past, but those doubts have evaporated, and they will do everything they can. They can offer him that extra year, uh, more money on raises. So I think it's a two-horse race. It's either he goes home and replaces Kobe, or he, he signs in his second home, a place he's always loved representing from day one. You know, Chris Bosh left after his first year, and DeRozan's the guy that said, don't worry, I got us. He tweeted it out saying, I'm the guy, I'm going to take over, relax, Raptor fans, and that's kind of what he's done eventually, and he's been the face of the franchise, very active in the community, proud to, you know, there's only, they're the team that, they're the one team for all of Canada, I think he appreciates having, you know, that much support. Yeah, I, I can, you can see, and I was going to ask you about that, because to me, the Lakers become the obvious, I mean, he, for people who don't know, he grew up in Los Angeles, played there, uh, played his college ball at USC, which is... I mean, literally, when I leave Staples, I live in L.A., when I leave Staples Center to go back to the freeway, I drive past Galen Center where USC plays. I mean, it's right there. He would be back in that. Now, not, but I don't, how should I put this? Not every player wants to go home. Like, there's this thing since LeBron's done it, and I don't want to say that, you know, DeRozan does or doesn't, but there are plenty of players out there who are like, yeah, there's a lot of, going home brings a lot of added pressures, and not just, I don't mean like on the court pressures to win, yeah, I mean like... People bothering you for this and yeah, that, I yeah. mean, we talked to Terrence Ross at Shootaround today, he's from Portland, he's just, we asked how many people, he's like, it's insane, people are like, you got five tickets here, five tickets here, like 20 different people ask for five tickets, you got this, you got that, you got that, there's a lot of demands at home, or, you know, there's people that want you to do stuff, or help them out, and all that stuff, you know. Whereas if you're in a different city, it's harder for everyone to sort of bother you. There's some guys that can do it really well. Corey Joseph came home to play with the Raptors, and he, he's the personality and the type of guy that can, can do it. But some guys um, aren't really suited to it. Yeah, exactly. So he may or may not want to go home. But that is, is, is that the one worry that, look, oh, obviously sure, they're yeah. going to come you know, after him. the family thing. Does his, yeah. uh, his fiance want to go home and raise their kids close to family? He's very close with his mom and dad. Um, I know his mom's had some health issues. I'm sure that would appeal to him. There's always the warm weather factor, although DeRozan doesn't seem to care, which is kind of weird for a California-born and bred guy. Yeah, by the way, um, it's just as a California-born and bred who's going to be in Toronto next week for the All-Star game, yeah, we don't own clothes for that. Like, I just looked at the weather today for what it's going to be next week in Toronto, and they're like, oh, it's sunny and in the 20s. And I'm like, yeah, I do not have clothes for that. Like, I, I'm, I'm screwed, basically. So I'm well, glad he's adjusted. It was warmer in Toronto the other day than when I was in Phoenix, so you never know. <laughs> yeah, maybe it'll warm up. It, it, look, I, it's after New York last year, I don't know that it's going to be yeah, much that worse was than that. Um, but I get, I get, though, just talking to him and just the sense of his quotes to other people, he really does, like you said, he really likes it there. I don't know that yeah. he wants to move on. Yeah, it's different than, you know, the, the other guys, the Vince Carter wanting to go somewhere else, Tracy McGrady wanting to go home to Orlando, and Chris Bosh wanting to go, I mean, the Bosh thing was pretty unique, you know, when else are you going to be able to join the best player in the league and maybe the third best player at the time, you know, yeah. and you're a top ten player yourself, like that was a once in a lifetime type deal, but yeah, other guys have wanted out, and and Damon Stoudemire went home to Portland, so 
I don't know. Demar's never given off that feeling. He's he's really embraced the city from day one. He never was a guy that hid inside from the cold and you know stayed in his condo all day or whatever. He's he's embraced and he's been out in the community and and he's a fixture there. He's um, he likes that idea of you know kind of dominating the record book for the Raptors, being a one-team guy. So there's always a threat. LA is a really big threat. He idolized Kobe. Um, yeah. I'm sure he's always dreamed of playing in the form, whatever. But Staples Center. But um, I don't know. I would. I would say I'd be really stunned if. I mean, it depends. If they get swept again, that might change. But other than that, I'd be stunned if he leaves Toronto. Yeah. Even if you get swept again, it, uh, the other factor there, you know, he loves where he's at. You can live in LA in the summer. It's you know, yeah. <laughs> that's it's still there. Um, the other factor is look, the Lakers even without Kobe, even with whatever happens this summer, they're not going to be good for a few years. Yeah, and and by the way, they're in that conference. They're, they're not good. They're not, I mean, look, I'm curious to see how how particularly D'Angelo Russell, but also Julius Randle, develop under a coach who knows how to develop players. I am curious how a lot of that can shake out over the next few years. I think there's real potential there, but they're a couple years away. And again, in the conference with, San Antonio, who's not going anywhere, whether Duncan retires or not, and Golden State, who's not going anywhere for a while. So, are, do you want to come back, or do you want to stay where you are on a team, you know, knocking on the door in the yeah. Eastern Conference with whatever they do? And like I said, I whether it happens at the deadline or not, don't you think that Ujiri's gotten past the point of assembling assets to the point of now I want to put those assets into like how do you know how do we get a Horford-like player to really mm-hmm. round this out? That's the question because to take that next step, you need a guy like that. You need a Millsap. Obviously, you're not going to get a Millsap. You need a Horford. You need someone really, really good at both ends of the floor. But it'll be tough. I mean, one thing I was just thinking, I could maybe in a few years, if it throws in re-signs and things start to go south eventually, I could easily see him being traded to the Lakers down the line once they've sort of got the rebuild together. But yeah, to see it happen this summer, it it seems pretty unlikely. Yeah, it seems it still seems like I mean the Lakers will take their shot. Don't get me wrong; they, they will oh, call. Yeah. The, the call will happen, and they'll probably even get a meeting. But I just, I and maybe then in this meeting they'll actually talk basketball. But even with that, I just don't know that it's going to be enough this time around. When you look ahead at the Raptors going into the playoffs, to me it just seems like they're going to go as far as Valanciunas and whoever is the four can take them. Yeah, because you know what you're going to get from Lowry and DeRozan. Like the wipeout hasn't been DeRozan's fault. The last two playoffs, he's been pretty solid. He's had yeah a bad game here or there, but he's been Otto Porter gave him fits. But against Brooklyn, he was really good in his first taste of the playoffs, and he had his moments against Washington when the rest of the team was struggling. So it's going to be on his Lowry still. Is he burnt out at all, as like he was last year, or is he still raring to go? And have they found a way to integrate Valanciunas into the offense a bit more? Because he's their most efficient scorer, and he doesn't get the ball enough. So. They need to figure that out and to, to get a four that hits threes and get them the ball. Because as you said before, you're not going to get all those calls. You're not going to get all those drives to the hoops that, that Lowry and DeRozan capitalize on now. Is, is not getting Valanciunas the ball just a, a systemic thing? where it's Look, it's much harder. This isn't the old Shaq era. You can't just lob it into the post because he's single covered. It's harder to get the ball into the post now than it was because of the zone defenses. But is it a matter of that finding him spaces to do that better or getting him out farther or how yeah, do they it, get him the rock? It's a combination of the way the league's gone, searching out three-pointers and not being able to camp out in the post, and just the fact that 
Lowry and DeRozan are fixated on getting into the paint. And if he's sitting there, you know, they're not just going to be able to dump it off to him or whatever. He's actually clogging up the space they're trying to get to. So it's it's been it's been complicated. I mean, they're doing a better DeRozan's doing a better job passing than ever before, but he's still mostly that's for kickouts for three-pointers instead of finding Valanciunas. And the fact Lowry loves to throw lobs, you've seen it when Biombo's yeah. in or even when Lucas Nogueira's in, and JV is not a uber-athletic center at all. He's not a guy that's going to get up there for tons of lobs. So that, I think if he was, you know, if it was if DeAndre Jordan's there, Lowry would be throwing it up all day, but obviously it's very different. That's not going to happen. Yeah, there's a slight gap in athleticism <laughs> between DeAndre Jordan and Jordan Valanciunas. Jonas Valanciunas, it's a little bit there. Yeah. Uh, all right, so the one last question. Where do I want to eat in Toronto when I'm there for the All Star Game? It's uh, a tough one. I don't know. There's a lot of uh, a lot of good places. Good steakhouses. Good uh, Thai. Good, you know, sushi. There's we got everything. Italian. I mean, I couldn't pick out one or two places. Maybe uh, we'll we'll talk when you're in town. But yeah, there's it's a great food city. There's people will not go hungry. That's for sure. There's there's a lot of spots. Um, yeah, that's. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm actually. Good. I've been. I've been looking into it. I'm looking for. That's one of those things I'm always looking forward to. And that it is a great food city. It's a really international food city. Like, like yeah. you said, there's a lot. You can get of, anything we want. Yeah, you you can get really just really good anything. Um, so yeah. that I'm I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to um some. I think go to the Danforth for some Greek food. There's uh the Greek town's really good. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. I will check that out. I, all right, Danforth for Greek food and uh, and. and I've been trying to kind of, you know, get in shape and lose some weight. So poutine is, like, there's low-fat poutine, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That, that's the poutine without without all the bacon and meat <laughs> yeah. thrown in and everything. You mean, so it's poutine. just it's French just fries. Basic poutine, that's the low-fat poutine. Yeah, basic poutine. Yeah, I'm just going to go with, uh, I think I'm... I think that's one of those things where you like and just I'll spend a little extra time on the motel, uh, the hotel yeah. treadmaster the next morning because of it. So yeah, for sure. All right, Ryan, thanks for joining us. We got to do this again as the playoffs get closer. I look forward to seeing you in a week, buddy. Yeah, for sure, no problem. And fans, we will be back next week with more Pro Basketball Talk podcast, talking all things news and notes around the NBA, plus some more All Star Game predictions. We promise, and maybe even some restaurant recommendations. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.